I'm Coach Seb, and this is Running New Mexico. All right. Joining me today, I have Kurt Coonrod. He is the president of the Albuquerque Roadrunners. He's an ultra marathoner, uh, been around the sport for a long time. So thank you for joining me. Oh, thanks for having me, Seb. Yeah. Um, you know, my first question is, how'd you get into running? Um, I guess I kind of always, uh, you know, just playground and stuff, always ran. It always seemed like the more I further the coach had us go, the better I did. And then moved to Japan when I was a freshman in high school with my dad. My dad was a military and my brother went out for the cross country team. He was a year younger and he came back from the first practice and said, you ought to go out for the team. You could beat most of those guys. So <laughs> that's, that's really, that's really what got me going, you know, doing serious running. Interesting. Was that a, like a team just uh, for the um, military kids or was it no. like a local, like Japanese team? No, it was a high school. We we lived on a military installation there, so it was uh, it was our, our local high school team. Didn't have a big population in the school, so I remember one year we had seventh grade girls getting varsity letters on the men's team. So, <laughs> was oh wow, <laughs> wow! Um, and how long did you guys stay in Japan? Uh, three years till my junior year. Then uh, moved back to states. Did my senior year in uh, Great Falls, Montana. And how was that team like when you came back to the States compared to, you know, who you ran with in Japan? Um, it was a little different because they had like three teams. They had like A, B, and C teams. You know, they, they, it was a huge, cross country was huge there. The year after I graduated, like they won state. But I just remember the biggest shock was in Japan, we ran two miles cross country and they did three. Uh-huh. And that, that extra mile, that did not, did not work well with me. well it's it's funny that you say that and and now you know you've done 100 milers at this point multiple multiple 100 milers (laughs) yeah you know it's who knows it's kind of like you know the frog in the boiling water i don't know or the the, as water warms up you don't realize what you're getting into (laughs) that's a great way to put that (laughs) yeah you know once you left high school you know, did you know you wanted to continue running? Did you try out for your college team? How did how did that journey go? Um, kind of had no intentions of running in college. Um, I'm just gonna you know do school and stuff. But you know, I went to school at Kansas State University, and they have this huge intramural program. So literally, the second day I was in the dorm, somebody knocked on my door and told me, you know, they looked at what you did in high school. Said you're you're running on our cross country team for intramurals, so got recruited. And actually got train, training with some some guys on my floor that made the training I did in high school seem kind of pedestrian. So that's actually probably when I started getting some of the best shape of my life was was doing that. Then I one year I tried to go out for the school team, and that was a big mistake. Just too much too much to do between schoolwork and regular work and trying to run. So that didn't that didn't go well. <laughs> you know that work life balance in in college is a huge step for 
a lot of people and and especially when you're trying you know you're you're trying to add in that social life you know being away from your parents and this and that and then you're adding in you know those sports especially if you're being competitive that that can be a real shock yeah it it was tough i i made some poor choices there (laughs) as we all do when we're young right Yep. Yep. Yeah. Hey, if you survive it, then you get to enjoy this. <laughs> um, so how did, you know, what was it like racing, I guess, intramural? I don't know too much about, you know, collegiate intramural racing. Uh, it was pretty serious. I mean, cause the big, big thing they pushed for, for was just participation, but you definitely scored points. And they always had at the end of the year, they had this all sports trophy, right? And that's what, that's what the frats and the dorms and the independent teams always went for. So it was, they took it kind of serious, but that's, I mean, that was like Kansas state. Others, I'm sure other schools had different, different things, but it sure kept people occupied and, you know, interacting with others. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think that's great, especially, you know, there's, I think plenty of kids out there who may not be, or may not feel that they're good enough to run, you know, collegiately, but some of these, I think, um, clubs or, or intramural teams like this can be a great way to continue the sport as as you grow into your body, really, still. Yeah, yeah, I, I got lucky after college and moving here, hooked up with a really, really good group of, uh, you know, very serious runners. And that's that's when I actually got, you know, got, got pretty decent at some of the distances. When you were running the intramurals, was was it was anybody coaching, or you guys all just kind of going out together and and no, doing quite? Just, yeah, you just the guys you hung with. You know, you kind of we had, we had a group of about five of us on my floor in the dorm that kind of trained together. And how why did that change from when you came to Albuquerque and met, and met up with this other group? Um, this other group, um, I mean, they had Olympians. They had Chuck Aragon ran with them some. Ibrahim Hussein was on Nosotros Track Club. Uh, Mike Middlestaff was the organizer and coach of it. And I always thought I was a pretty good runner and I started running with them and they had like three, four groups of people. And I was like in the slow group for most of the time, <laughs> maybe the third or fourth group kind of, kind of humbled you. I, I bet. I mean, you just named some legends of New Mexico running there for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was fun. It was intense, but it was it was all on you, right? And you showed up because you wanted to show up, and you know it wasn't scholarship or anything. You were it was and it was a good group of people. They really motivated you, and it was it was a fun fun times when I was doing that. And and what was it like, you know, running uh, under Mike Middlestad? I like you said, he was kind of organizing it. I'm assuming he was kind of giving workouts as well. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. He was he was the coach. He would, you know, we had a range of a range of talent, right? It was incredible. I, I remember doing doing interval two hundreds with Chuck Aragon, and there was like two, three of us would be working out with him. He'd he'd run every one, and we'd do every other or every third one, <laughs> just to wow, just to kind of give him a look, you know, someone to someone to kind of you know pace against or or compete against. That's that's pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. Mike, Mike was a great guy. He just, he actually just recently passed away from, he was right. dealing with Parkinson's and he ended up catching COVID. So 
was sad to see see him go at this time, you know, not be able to have a send off for him. But right. he was an amaz- amazing coach. He we we went did road trips to college meets and everything else as an independent team and it was a lot of fun. No, I, I um I, I heard a lot about him growing up from my dad, you know, kind of talking about, you know, the runners in the state. And uh, I read he sent me the article that the that the journal put out, um, yeah. you know, and some of his former runner, former runners kind of commenting. And, you know, it was, it was a it was a nice article and you could really see the impact that he had uh, a lot on a lot of these runners. Oh, he, he was a he was a wonderful person. And so, um, you know, you talked a little bit earlier about that, you know, when you were, you tried out for the, the collegiate team at Kansas, and now you're coming over to this team that's, you know, got some really high caliber athletes, you know, how are you managing that with your, you know, kind of work-life balance at that time? Then it was a little easier. I mean, if, if you were tied up with work, and, you know, work took precedence, right? And the, the working out and, and, and doing stuff with the team was more of a kind of a stress release kind of from work, but it was a lot of camaraderie too. Met some great friends there. And that's actually where I met the, the people that, um, this couple that actually started the Red Runners Club. They're, uh, they were also uh, involved with this uh, track group. That's fantastic. It is always, I mean, the track world, the the running world is the community is just so tight knit. And so it's amazing the people you meet, you know, from one little group to the next or just, you know, on the trail. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to have to hit you up about your dad. Who knows? Maybe I ran with him at some point. Uh, you know, you I'm I'm pretty sure you guys have probably run into each other or or near each other at races. He's I think he's about your age. So, OK, <laughs> <laughs> In small world, hey, hey, absolutely. You know when when you left college, you know I'm assuming that were you still running five Ks in those intramural meets? Um, you know, up until I left college, yeah. Um, when I got here to Albuquerque, I just I hooked up. My brother hooked me up with a friend of his that was a runner, and that's kind of got me going into it here locally. And I just remember going around to you know, some of the small local races and doing pretty good. And then, then we'd go to show up at like the Leroy Behrman run or the Stroh's run for Liberty or one of those other big events. And all of a sudden finish, instead of finishing top five, you, you finish top 30 and you wonder where, where are all these other people at, um, you know, during all these other races. Yeah. That's when I kind of got a sense of how, how many good runners were actually in the Albuquerque area. I, I, think it's amazing the amount of runners that we that we have and you know they they can go to so many different meets and and travel and it's just a wonderful community from from all levels from you know just starting out to those you know kind of pro semi-pro levels it's it's just amazing group yeah the number of olympians that have trained here off and on over the years is pretty pretty spectacular it's it's like a hidden boulder it doesn't have the cost of living like boulder and plus they get a little anonymity, you know, they can, they can work out here and, and get the benefits of altitude and mountains and stuff. So it's always, always cool to see Olympic runners, you know, up in the foothills training. I, I agree. It's, um, 
you know, fascinating to me still when, you know, the Brooks Beasts are, are one of the groups that still come down from Seattle and, and do their altitude training here. And, you know, obviously there's others that are, that are in and out, but it's, um, you know, I think, uh, of course I'm a little biased, but I think Albuquerque has just as much to offer as Flagstaff or Boulder. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think so. They don't have the, they don't have the, that many great quality races and stuff. It's, that's one thing I lament about here, but it's, uh, it's our own, own piece and you get to travel, right? That's what I love doing is taking a road trip to go do a, do an event somewhere. It's a excuse to see some new part of the country or something or the world. That That is true. That is absolutely true. You know, so when, when did you kind of start moving up into, you know, well, into some of the higher distances, maybe not the ultra marathons right away, but when did you start moving up to like the marathon and, or, you know, even just 10 Ks, half marathons? Yeah. I started doing 10 Ks, you know, kind of in college, you know, after I, you know, got in pretty good shape, shape, always run, ran the local races there. And then one year of a buddy of mine that I ran on an ind- independent intramural team with, I get a call from him one day and says, Hey, you got any interest in running a, running a marathon, the Wichita marathon? I'm like, um, I don't know. <laughs> I, I kind of knew how far a marathon was because it was back in the Frank Shorter days. And I said, when's the race? And he goes, it's like in two weeks. And <laughs> the only running I was doing at the time was running to the rec, rec center and playing basketball and running back. So I tra- trained for a week and and uh, went down and did the race with them. I had no idea what I was doing. I was, this is one of my favorite favorite jokes about you know how you can mess up (laughs) ran the the first 10 miles in an hour five second 10 miles in an hour five and the last 10k in an hour five so (laughs) kind of gives you an idea (laughs) i didn't know what would happen there after 20 miles yeah (laughs) and it's always fascinating to me like the people that were running these marathons because you know, when I think of a marathon, I'm thinking of them in the in the last, you know, 10 or 15, 20 years, really. And, you know, water stations are everywhere. And, oh, yeah. you know, I think I picture those that like, you know, New York and Boston and, you know, you just lines of people and it's just energetic. But, you know, what was that mar- that first marathon like? Nothing like that. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was pretty sparse. It was, uh, you know, I, to, to be honest, I don't know how many water stops they had because I, I never drank water on runs before, right? And never, never ran far enough to have to. So that's kind of what led to my demise was, you know, horrible muscle cramps. But yeah, nowadays it's it's amazing the the, the water stops and stuff they have. It's 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 almost too much. It's like I think people drink too much sometimes during an event like that. <laughs> I. I agree. I think, um, I mean, I, I get it, you know, for safety reasons for people who might, you know, uh, slower and back with the pack and stuff, but yeah, it is. Sometimes it seems a little overkill. Yeah. And so what took you into, I guess, trail running and, and ultra running? Um, kind of trail running, you know, the low, low loose run here definitely got me going. And then there was a there's a run up in uh, southwestern Colorado up in Ure called the Imogene Pass Run, 
And I started going up there with my parents, you know, we were kids, li- you know, living down here in Albuquerque, probably back in the late seventies, we'd go up there camping and my dad loved Jeep in the mountains. And my, they told me about this, this mountain run up there. And I was like, Oh shoot, I got, got a couple of friends interested and we went up and ran it. I think first time was like back in 84 and I've done it like 25 times since then. And it just, that's just got me totally hooked. So started, started doing all other types of trail running stuff. And that, that, that was really, I think doing the Lelouch trail run the first time that was kind of the impetus. And how far was this, uh, the race in Colorado again? Um, they claimed it at that time. They claimed it as 18 miles. Now they, now they've actually measured it. It's like 17. So it's okay. a, one hill goes up to 13,000 feet and then back down. So <laughs> it, it runs from Uray, Colorado to Telluride. Uh, how's that downhill on the knees? Um, you know, I've been knock on wood. I've been incredibly lucky. And that's the one thing I'm, I was always really good at was running downhill fast. Uh, not so much anymore. You know, I kind of lost <laughs> that with, with other things, but I used to, I used to just love, love, you know, going all out downhill and somehow I always managed not to totally splatter on the, on the rocks. <laughs> that's good. That's, that's, uh, ideal. Uh, what, um, so you, you started, like you said, with La Luz and, and this other run and, you know, what kind of piqued your interest or, or what did you start seeing, I guess, more, you know, in those longer distances, 50 Ks or 50 miles or hundreds, like what, I guess, what made you kind of decide, oh, this will be fun? Um, actually, I think beer was the, uh, <laughs> was that, it was actually at uh, Roadrunner's Christmas party one year. Uh, the couple that was hosting it, John and Barbara McAfee, he was talking up, he was an older gentleman and he had done, he had attempted several hundred mile races he started showing me articles and stuff from the original Ultra Runner magazine, you know, black and white. He had cut out articles and stuff. And he was talking about this race up in Colorado, the Leadville 100. And he kept trying to convince me I'd do great at it. And for some insane reason, I was like 29 years old, I signed up for it and went up there. I'd never, the longest that I'd ever run was like 28 miles and <laughs> went up and I got about 25 miles in. I thought, well, sh- yeah, I've been taking it easy. I thought, you know, I should probably, I could probably start pushing it now. So I started pushing it and by 50, I was pretty much done. Somehow I managed another 10 miles and then my friends hauled me out of there. And it was three, four more years before I actually finished that race. I kept, I kept always trying to go too fast. I never, never kind of got the, got the idea that, you know, you've got to, it's a long, long day or two out there, but yeah, it's, it's an incredible experience when you actually do finish. There's, there's no way, no way to describe the impact it has on you just at that moment. And then for, for days and years after that to realize you actually succeeded in something like that. And that's, that's fascinating. I, I'm not at that point yet. But, you know, the more I talk to people who have who have done these, you know, that's kind of what I keep on coming to. Like it, 
something about it when you know when people talk about finishing it you know it's just like it it draws you in and i guess that's where the bug comes from right <laughs> Hey, you know, I know some people who put on a 50K on Mount Taylor. I can probably get you a comp entry. <laughs> Do you want to get to I, 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 I will, uh, I will, I will keep that in the back burner. I might, I might take you up on that. <laughs> All right. Uh, hey, hey, how did you, you know, because this is the other part. Like you said you got 60 miles in. And the last 10 were really just, I mean, you were done at 50, but got 10 more in. Like, what makes you want to go back and like, okay, well, this time I'm going to finish it? Um, I, I don't know. I haven't seen a shrink about that. But <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, it's a common experience for people. You know, a lot of people, they, they try it once and they're done. There's no way they'll ever try it again. And others kind of get, kind of get the bug. I mean, it, it's a, it's an amazing feeling to be to realize you can cover that much ground. I mean, that, and a lot of these runs are mountainous and such, so incredible scenery, spectacular. Um, but just it's a, I think human beings are naturally enjoy being challenged, and that and we thrive when we succeed. If everything's handed to you, if it's everything's easy, right? You know. What's the saying? And there's an old video from the Leadville Trail 100 back when Wide World of Sports used to cover it. They were asking this guy why, you know, why he was doing it. And he's like suffering horribly, right? He's in an aid station, his head's between his knees, and asking. And he goes, "Well, if it was easy, anyone could do it." And <laughs> that was kind of he's trying to do something that's that not everyone can. But along those lines, it's incredible the explosion of ultra running throughout the U.S. and the world. The first time I did the Leadville 100, if I had finished, I, I would have placed in my age group. There was only, At the start of the race, there was only four people in my age group, and wow. I think only two finished. Nowadays, for a while, they were having 1,000 people in the race. The first time I did it, I think it was less than 200. So wow. it's been a huge explosion in tra trail running and ultra running in general. It's, it's, it's kind of, kind of amazing. It goes along with the number of races events too. Those keep the number of those just keep exploding. I think it is kind of fascinating, you know, for sure. It's, it's almost like the, like the jogging boom, you know, that they called it, you know, the running boom back in the eighties and, you know, this last, you know, 15 years or so is really, I mean, I didn't, I didn't know what trail running was outside of like you talked about to begin with the Lalu's trail like that that's the only one i ever knew about growing up and now it's you know like you talked to i mean mount taylor here and you know dead man's peak but like i mean leadville western states i mean those are those are names that a lot of runners even if they're not ultra runners know because of you know how much it's grown and and how much these people you know uh, Wamsley, for for instance, you know, going out and doing the Western States and and being able to do, you know, qualify for the Olympic marathon trials. I mean, you, you're seeing some of that crossover. Yeah, when I first started doing it, it was mainly it was an older person sport, right? I was like I said, I was 29. There was only four in my age group. The bulk of the people were in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, and that's over the last 15, probably. 10 to 20 years, that's kind of, that's changed. A lot more younger, younger people are getting into it early. People that are really fast, you know, times we thought were incredible back in the day. Now they're, 
those times are getting shattered at, you know, yearly, which is, which is pretty cool. But, you know, it's, you know, people find something that's interesting and, and, you know, and it's challenging and they kind of glom onto it. No, it's, it's, it is pretty cool. And, and it's fascinating too, even from kind of the, uh, the elite athlete, the elite road runner, track runner perspective, like, you know, some of these, um, marathoners as they're getting a little older and they can't keep up, you know, maybe, you know, do what they could on the roads before all of a sudden, you know, on some of these podcasts, I hear them talking about moving up into, well, maybe I'll try a trail. It's fascinating. It interests me. It's something different making me fall in love with the sport again it's it's um it it really is kind of becoming more you know part of the the discussion with with all runners yeah no i just it's something i moved into i've hardly done any any road runs road races in probably like the last 10 years you know i got talked into doing the zoo run a couple times by my nieces you know, I've done a, a few road marathons, traveling, traveling around, done some, you know, I guess, no, I guess all the stuff I've done in Europe and stuff has all been, it's all been trail stuff, except for my wife and I went one time, did the Prague Marathon. Oh, wow. And it was just, just, it was a great excuse to go somewhere and, and experience something. It was, it's a, it's a great mechanism or, or a conduit for for exploring right do you have a favorite trail run that you've done or or been a part of um you know definitely you know there's several i, I guess i would say um you know definitely lo- or uh, imaging that's the one I've, I've gone back to the most right i just enjoy that part of the country um i've done it done it so many times i guess one of the ones that I enjoy or feel feel most accomplished about finishing it was the Hard Rock 100. A buddy of mine and I decided to, you know, sign up one year. I, I was afraid to go up there because, you know, I had no trouble with Leadville, let alone thinking of trying to do Hard Rock. But right. it was a different mindset. So I totally love, totally love that. The other one I would really love to do, even though I, I work the race every year, is the Mount Taylor 50K. It's, you know, we get, we put in a lot of work. We got great feedback. It's like, yeah, I'd love to experience it. <laughs> yeah, I guess that can be hard when you're, you're helping, uh, you know, run things a little bit to, you know, you miss out on experiencing it as well. Yeah, we keep joking that, you know, one of these years we're going to, one of us is going to be allowed to actually do the race. So we'll see if that ever <laughs> happens. <laughs> Well, that'd be great. I'd love to see you see see you out there. Was uh, was Hard Rock definitely the hardest one you ever did? Uh, yes, and yes, it was. <laughs> um, and it's amazing because that was probably the one I was the most prepared for, too. Right? You know, because it scares the bejesus out of you. You you look at the profile and you hear people talk about it. You go in there, and in a way, it probably helped me because I was I was way humbled. There was no thought of going fast or anything. It was it was all a plan, and you know how to you know we dialed in like a forty hour goal. It's like how to cover a hundred miles in the mountains in forty hours without destroying yourself early. So it was it was all about 
I always joke is I call I call it a chess chess match. You got to make the right moves early, or the, or you're not going to be there at the end of the. And I was lucky to do it with a good friend of mine, and we kind of kept each other, you know, in rain and in step, and kept us, you know, you know, our heads screwed on straight as far as nutrition and hydration and 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 pace, and worked out awesome. What, uh, I guess has worked for you as far as nutrition, has that stayed pretty consistent or have you kind of changed things over the years? I have tried everything you can imagine and usually always end up with stomach problems. So (laughs) I have never found, never found the perfect, perfect answer for me. Somehow it seemed like regular food, just normal food seemed to, you know, work better, but that only works if you're not really trying to push push, you know, have a high, high effort level. Um, I, I tried, I, I probably OD'd on every type of gel and, you know, you know, special sports drink or whatever o- over the decades. And I, I see a package of some of that stuff now. And I just, it's like, I just run away. It's like, give me, <laughs> give me a sandwich. Give me, <laughs> give me something normal, man. Pumpkin pie, you know, any stuff like that. It's amazing how it, how good it works, but, but, uh, but yeah, there's so much out there. <laughs> my, my cousins and, uh, their friend, they did the, um, uh, the Santa Fe endurance Santa Fe out at the Santa Fe ski resort, um, back in 2019 and they needed a fourth for the relay. And so I got talked into it and I didn't know what I was getting myself into. And I was just in shock by like, oh, like there's like stations with like food, food, like I smell bacon <laughs> over there. Like there's burritos, like watermelon, candy, soda, pickle. I'm like, what is, what have, what did I gotten myself into? Like <laughs> the, the best, the best eight station food from any of the runs I've ever done is, is coming in the second morning into Eight station in the Hard Rock 100 and getting a breakfast burrito. That is like that. You just take it and you start walking down the trail, and you just take your time and <laughs> nibble away. And that's that's amazing. <laughs> you know, when I was looking at your ultra sign up, you have had you know several DNFs, and I, I'm sure you know that's pretty common with with most ultra runners. Uh huh. What? Yes. <laughs> what goes through your mind you know when you when you come to terms with like i i guess i can't finish this um for me it's for me it's kind of a mix some some it's like oh, why did i even start you know it's like <laughs> my my head wasn't in it this day or something or it'd be something different things lead to deciding to drop i remember one of the one of the funniest ones dropping was uh was year I was, uh, originally was planning to do the Grand Slam with this friend of mine, Dennis Dennis Dre, and I fell during Western States and had a horrible hip injury, and you know not horribly, it just but it took me out of the race. And I went back, did the next runs with him. We went to Vermont, did that, went to you know went to Leadville, did that with him, and he was he was trying he was on on pace still to finish Wasatch, and and I went with him up there and. I told him I'd run the first 50 and then he could pick up a pacer and, and cause I was still signed up cause I'd signed up for all of them. And, and we got to 50 and he wasn't doing so well. So I kept with him and 
finally got to 75 and I was like, okay, I think I've had enough today. And I walked <laughs> over to the, the, the aid station there is in Brighton and they, they kind of describe it as a morgue. It's like in the middle of the <laughs> night, it's up in the mountains and people are in a bad, bad way. And I got in there and it's like, okay, well, I'm going to you know try to hitch a ride back. I went to go drop out and they're like talking, to, talking to me like, um, you seem like you're fine. I'm like, well, yeah, you know, I really wasn't planning on running a hundred miles. <laughs> and it's like, well, you can keep going. I go, nah, I think I've had enough. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I know people that have never dropped this friend of mine. I was talking about Dennis, he, he finished, you know, 10 hard rocks in a row. I have no idea how he finished some of those. Some, some years he was in such bad shape. I just don't have that kind of mental fortitude, you know, a lot of them. Yeah. It's, it's, it can be injuries or you're just, you just have trashed yourself, haven't taken care of yourself, but it's, I don't know. It's that's you, you learn. I think you learn a lot more about yourself when you DNF than when you, when you finish, (laughs) but you are going to learn something about yourself, whether it's good or bad. Yeah. Well, I was going to actually ask you if if you ever felt like um, you finished one that you felt worse than one that you DNF'd. <laughs> um, no, you know the ones you finish, you just you're ecstatic. It's amazing what adrenaline, what kind of drug adrenaline is, right? It's it just gets you through. It, yeah, I've I always all the hundreds that I finish, I I kind of I, I remember you know vividly the finish line, the ones I've dropped out of, I think back to, you know, it's like, really? I, I, I can't even remember the aid station I dropped out of most of the times. So. Wow. What, um, you, cause you've been doing this for, for quite a while. How has the gear changed, you know, over that time? Oh, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> the first, first time I did the Sandia crossing with a friend of mine, we were putting together a hydration system. I, f- I found an old at a surplus store, an old ammo belt, you know, a lightweight. And we found little bottles, you know, bottles I found were the original, you know, blow bubble stuff the kids would do around. <laughs> but emptied, cleaned those out and filled those and wrapped them around my waist. And, and we started out carrying a, carrying a bottle of Gatorade in our hands. And that's how, that's how we went off. Wow. And, that so the whole hydration thing's way different. The lighting stuff, especially for ultras when you're into the dark, that was always a huge deal. You know, back in the back in the eighties and nineties was was trying to, you know, have enough batteries, the bulbs would go out, you dropped your flashlight, it was dead. You know, nowadays, you know, with the LED technology and stuff, it's you'll see someone come down the down the trail, it looks like a semi coming. You know, like <laughs> got a light bar on or something. It's 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 just totally changed. And the, and the shoes I believe are way better too. It's, it's pretty incredible what, what they've done with, done with the shoe technology and stuff. I can imagine. I mean, some of these shoes are so, you know, those soles are so thick. I mean, you're, you're not going to feel some of those rocks that, that are going to poke up at you, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. As long as the only drawback is you're more apt to, you know, twist an ankle out. That's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, you know, kind of going forward a little bit, you know, I mean, I know you're doing this in between too, but you talked about meeting the couple that started the Albuquerque Roadrunners. 
Um, yeah. How did how did that group kind of start? I guess. Um, well, yeah, I know they. You know, Eric and Kathy Pierce are the ones that that started it, and I found out. You know, my mom was looking through the paper. I was I was um, still living at home. I just got out of college. I was living in a room in their house, and she was looking at the paper and saw an article for an organizational meeting for a new club. You know, and and seemed interesting, you know, seemed interesting. So I, I showed up there and it was actually, they held it at the Sun Sports uh, Sporting Goods store. It was up on, I think it's Wantabo and Montgomery at the time. And uh, Marge and Tico Navarro kind of hosted. And that's kind of, that was, that was how the, the club got going, right? They, they, they started it all. They were actually going to school down in Socorro at the time, New Mexico Tech, but they were coming up here all the time, working out with those Sotros. So they, that's wow. how it, that's how it all got going way way back then. That was like nineteen nineteen eighty five, I think. Wow. And so you you were there at that first meeting. So you've been a part of it ever ever since then. Yeah, I've come. My participation's you know ebbed and waned. You know, it's it's changed over the years, and I kind of stepped out for a while doing other things, and got back into it recently. I, you know. I was president for a while way back in the, you know, late 80s, early 90s. And then it was just recently I kind of got back more involved. What brought you back into it? Um, I don't know. I think I'm, I'm, I'm itching towards retirement. And it's like, I'm going to be looking for stuff to do. I <laughs> No, that's, you know, I, I don't know. Like I said, it's, it's just varied over the years. It's kind of up and down. And like said, I've always kind of been involved somewhat, you know, so, so, you know, a lot of times in the back, but, you know, got really involved with the Mount Taylor race and that's the club kind of took that, you know, we kind of merged in with the club with that. And maybe that's kind of what got me kind of more involved again. And what is, um, I guess the Albuquerque Roadrunners place in, in Albuquerque's, you know, group running scene you know we have the the dukes obviously and the soul sisters and there's some other groups you know here and there so what is the roadrunners place um we're kind of an it seems like we're pretty much an aging group right it's more we haven't got a lot of young people involved with our groups you know and i'm not quite sure what you know what led to that but that's kind of how it's been. We, we have some, some young members and stuff and, and it's, um, I guess running has changed a little bit. It's kind of a different, kind of a different beast now. And some of the organizers and stuff, we haven't changed as much. So it'd be great <laughs> to get some young people to take over. Right. Yeah. Well, it, you know, it was interesting when I, when I first was kind of looking up and, you know, again, I, I remember my dad talking a little bit about the, Albuquerque Roadrunners and this and but you know it is it is different because you know a lot of these other groups you know they're very active you know they've got the Instagram and Twitter and yeah they you know they've got Facebook as well um and so that definitely is is a different um you know for a lot of the younger younger oh, group, I think that, you know that's yeah. what they're seeing I think that's huge. I think I've posted on Facebook like twice in my life. So <laughs> it kind of gives you an idea <laughs> where my technology. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, you talked about, about some of the races, you know, that, that are part of the, 
the Roadrunners. You talked about Mount Taylor, and, and I've had Ken Gordon on and, and talked about that. And obviously, that's that's a great race. And you guys also do the Forever Young Run and the Women's Distance Festival. Um, what do those two kind of consist of? Um, the Forever Young Run, that was started by a, a club member, um, longtime member of our, our club, uh, Charlie Young. Uh, passed away in a bicycle accident. He was doing a, he was doing this fundraiser bike tour uh, through Colorado, and he was hit and killed. And it was started as a as a memorial run uh, for him. And his his wife and daughter show up every year, kind of help us put it on. But it's a it's a fun event. It's kind of a dirt, it's a dirt road trail out in Placidas, and it's become a lot more popular of an event over the years. It's 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 a tough it's a tough six mile loop. <laughs> it'll, it'll get your attention, but I really, that's what the one club run I really enjoy doing. And, you know, Charlie used to always run without a shirt on. It, it didn't matter. It could be, you know, it could be December or something. I, I, I see him show up the eggnog jog run where <laughs> it, it'd be like 20 degrees and he'd be shirtless. So we always, we always joked with, with Alan, Alan Overmeyer, who's a, who started the run. He'd have two dollar bills, and anyone who started the run without a shirt, it didn't mean topless; it just meant no shirt. And uh, <laughs> you would get two bucks off, you know, at the finish line, you know, if you if you ran through it. So, always enjoyed that. It was great seeing a lot of times the old timers would come out, people that knew Charlie, and it's always fun to see his family too. The Women's Distance Festival that was actually the longest running event that we've had. We started that back in 85, 86, it was when the Roadrunners Club of America first started, you know, trying to really encourage women to get involved. And one of the ways was to have a women's only race. So people wouldn't, they wouldn't feel as intimidated and such. That's not a problem anymore, but we still kept it. We've kept the race going. And it's, that's an incredible, incredible string of years. First year we did it, we were down at the, what's now the bio park, right? Back then, it was uh, it was a uh, San Gabriel Park. It was a place where lowriders would go hang out and people would go go party and stuff. But we had a course down there, and that was literally the the, the first women's distance festival. So, wow. and then then La Luce, you know, it's kind of <laughs> kind of hard to miss that one. That that that's been a we've been doing that since 1999 was when we took over from the Mexico athletics congress so it's uh and that's that's an incredible event to be involved with roger sack was the race director for for years and years and did an amazing job uh keeping that race keeping that race going right um what led to you guys taking over the la luce race um the group that was putting it on for the longest time they were more of an age group the there were parents of age group runners and such and they kind of controlled they I, i'm not sure how they actually started with it and they they asked us to take it over because okay. they were you know they were basically running they, they didn't want the race to, to die right and they had nobody to work it or anything so we we took that on as a club uh, back then and seemed like it's I think we did a good job stewarded, you know, stewarding that race forward. And, you know, it's always fun with the 400 person limit over the years. Some years, like you, you wouldn't fill. I mean, this goes back before we even 
took it over. But some years it, it wouldn't fill and other years there's a huge wait list and everyone was always jockeying, you know, you need to change the rules for your wait list and everything else. It was always, uh, you know, trying to explain to them it's a hard cap, you know, number from the forest service. That's what, that's what we have to, you know, abide by. But I've, I've gotten to do it over the years, you know, probably, I've probably done it 25, 30 times over the years. And, and it's, it's, it's way different doing it in the race than doing it, just going up and hiking it on your own. <laughs> you know, that's, that's one of the races that, you know, I keep on talking about my dad a lot. Cause you know, he talked about a lot of these things, but you know, that was one and he always talked about and always, I mean, talking about the, the winners of those, I mean, the, the Lalu's winners were always just ingrained. I kind of, I, you know, I feel like in, in New Mexico running history, I mean, Al Waukee and, um, Lionel Ortega, I mean, and some of these guys that are just, you know, legends yeah, really. Definitely a who's who. It's, it's interesting though, over the years, the times of the average times have slowed. People claim it's the trail has degraded or whatever. It's like, I don't know so much that I, I, you know, it just time times that would get you in the, you know, top 20, you know, 30, 25 years ago would get you in second place now or something. So it's a interesting change in dynamics. Yeah. Especially considering, you know, the rise of, um, trail running, you know, yeah. like we talked about earlier. Yeah. You know, the big, I mean, you know, one thing with the loose, it's basically a nonprofit event. And so it's, you don't get the, you don't get the people coming here for prize money or anything, right? It's people that are locals, you know, that come back to do it, you know, over and over again. I always love it when Simon comes back, Simon Gutierrez, he was a, <laughs> a multiple year, you know, he's won it multiple times and he comes back and, right. you know, he's up, he's like 50 years old now. I'd love it. He shows up and, and whoops the young, young kids. Right. <laughs> it's kind of an eye opener for them. Right. A while back I had a, uh, did a little questionnaire on my, on my Instagram and asking about what people wanted to hear about and, and, you know, were curious about. And a question that actually came up was about La Luce because it had been, um, canceled last year. Everybody assumed because of, because of COVID. And, um, I actually had someone who is a member of the, the road runners kind of tell me like, no, we're, we're pretty sure, you know, it got canceled because of other reasons. And so yeah. do you want to talk a little bit about the, um, the future well, of La Luz? Yeah. Yeah. For, I'll, I'll give a little background first, right? We went to, um, went to apply for the permit, uh, last year, right? We have had a new race director who had, who had done an incredible job the year before. And I get a, I get a ping from him. He goes, they've denied our permit. And I was like, excuse me. (laughs) And so apparently what what had happened. So the Sandia wilderness became a wilderness area back in 1978 by an act of Congress. And we had always assumed the the loose run was grandfathered in, in, into the workings of it because, you know, they developed a forest use plan and it specifically mentions restrictions for, putting the race on, right? Limiting the cap, number of runners, where it can start and finish and such. So we never, and, and that forest use plan was 
been in effect since the early 80s. They recently were redoing the forest use plan. And they they had, a, so they, they wanted to like codify everything. So they went back to the original legislation that started the, the Sandia Manzano wilderness areas and wanted to see the exact reference to it so they could reference it in their forest use plan. And they, they couldn't find anything that was officially listed in the original legislation. So they had uh, independent counsel came through, reviewed, and they determined that the race should have never been allowed to continue. That, that for the 40 years that we've been holding the race since 1978 or whatever, it was in a, in illegal or it was wrong. And wow. that kind of, that kind of blew us away. Um, they, I mean, they basically went, once they discovered that and they had a uh, comment from the independent council that that recommendation, they were kind of, were kind of stuck at that point. And they recommended that we contact our legislators and kind of work with them and figure a way forward. And to be honest, that's the pro we're in the middle, middle of that right now. Right. We're trying to trying to work on amic amicable approach to it. Chances of the run happening this year are about zero. It would probably be zero just because of Bernalillo County can't can't seem to get out of the yellow. Right. But we're we're hopeful that something we can get something worked out. It's a pretty painful thing to lose a, a piece of heritage of New Mexico running like that. That's gonna be pretty painful. But we're doing our best. We've got some good people that are that are involved in you know communicating with with the people, you know, with the players and hopefully someday we get it back officially. Right. So, so yeah, it's, it's, it's a sad, tough pill to swallow right now. And, you know, since, like I said, the first time I ran, it was 1980 and it's, you know, one of the races is true to my heart and, you know, it's an incredible experience for anyone who's ever done it. And, like I said, people have grown up here, kids, you know, think, you know, their parents or uncles or someone dragged them hiking up the trail. And, you know, the thought that there's a race there, it's like, you know, they want to do it someday. Right. And we hope, we hope that, we hope that day, you know, comes back. I, I think you hit it right on the head. I mean, it is a, you know, a piece of New Mexico race history. I mean, we talk about, you know, a handful of races that have really gone on for, for that long in the state. And, um, the, you know, this one was, you know, again, one of the ones that was, you know, kind of had a who's who of, <laughs> of runners there for a long time. Yeah. I, 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 one of my favorite memories was somehow we got convinced Frank Shorter to come up, you know, to come out to run it one year and, and went and went with another friend and picked him up at the airport and he was asking for advice and everything. And I, I just remember telling him, whatever you do, don't go out too fast because the road will kill you. You know, there's no resting on the road. And I just remember the next day or the two days later during the race, I, I was running then. I was in pretty good shape. And I just remember getting a tap on my shoulder about a mile up the trail. This guy goes, yeah, I was told that you're not supposed to go out too fast. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, we've had some incredible people over the years participate in this and that, even this year i've gotten contacted from people all around the country wondering about is the, the the race happening or not so it's 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 like i said it's kind of kind of tough pill to swallow right now right 
Well, like I said, you know, you said you, you guys are working on some things for sure and, and trying to work out a deal. Um, I am sure that the, you know, Albuquerque and, and New Mexico running community, you know, that is behind you guys on this. Um, I'm definitely behind you guys. And so whatever, if, if you need anything for me, you know, obviously let me know. Cause I will, I will be there to help out. Yeah. The time may come, but we're, we're, we're trying to work. We're trying to be amicable about everything and, and be nice with people and try to, you know, explain to them what this, what this event means to the community. And hopefully we can, we can work something out with, with the, with the players. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and kind of on that note, you know, you talked a little bit earlier about the, the Roadrunners kind of being a, a little bit of an aging group. Um, what do you see as the future of the Albuquerque Roadrunners? Um, you know, we've, we've thought of, we've thought of different things, you know, it's like how to get, we, we would love to, you know, that we've got all these resources, right? You know, the club's got equipment, we've got, you know, we've got a bank account, you know, we'd love to work with other people, you know, whether it's the Dukes, you know, we've got several people that are involved with both the Roadrunners and the Dukes. And it, it would be awesome to kind of, you know, hand off some of that stuff, right? It's, you know, just to work together to, to just to make running better in Albuquerque. Well, that's fantastic. I think, um, I think that I think something can be worked out somewhere down the line, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would. It would it would be awesome, you know. We've we've done some things with the Dukes, and we'd love to work with them in the Sandia Snowshoe Race. We want to, you know, we've talked to them about, you know, maybe working together to keep that going. And you know, if, if we ever get Lelouch back, it'd be fun talking to them about working work on Lelouch too. But yeah, it's times change and. You know, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be running. If I can say I'm really running now, but <laughs> I got I got visions of going back and running the Wichita Marathon again. So I just think that'll be a that'll be a good way to end my end my running career. <laughs> so that's you know we talked about that beforehand. So your your first marathon was at the the Wichita Marathon, and you you just recently went back and did the the 40th anniversary, right? Yeah, it was the fortieth. Yeah, it was the fortieth. Forty years since I did my first marathon. It was the original race director was actually there. He was a uh, he was the official starter. So it was fun oh, to talk wow. to him. It was fun to talk to him again. It was, <laughs> it was actually fun to do a race during the time of COVID. It was they, they did an awesome job there too. I was going to ask how did that how did that look because you know obviously things are a little bit different in a lot of these races now. Um, I think they did a real good job. The whole packet pickup thing, right? It was outdoors. You just, it was very spread out. There was no events going on, right? They canceled any kind of events they had associated with it. And then race morning, they had, it was a, you know, a huge area to mill and they, they had set up basically four different shoots for, and everyone, you know, everyone wore a mask and you're asked to, you know, social distance before the event, before the race actually started. And they sent us off basically four at a time every four seconds. And once you got running, you know, they had trash cans down the road just a little bit. Once you got running, um, you could just ditch your mask. The aid stations were set up where it was all self-serve. They just poured cups and they were sitting there. No one was handing you anything. And it's amazing how quickly 
you know, four people starting together every four seconds, it, it spread out. There was, there was never any congestion out on the run. And oh, wow. I, I think they did an amazing job. And I've heard similar stories around other states about holding events like that, right? Where you only have to wear the mask before you start, you know, wear it up until you start running. And right. that would be great if we could get a, do that here. Yes. I know uh, some of my high schoolers I coach would definitely appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we um, hopefully I'll get an update. We've, we've been trying to contact the governor's office about that. And it would be, be good to, to get a little relaxation on that at least. <laughs> right. You know, how, what is your, I mean, you said you just were able to complete a marathon. Um, but you also mentioned that, you know, you're, you know, if you're still running, if you can call it that, what is your relationship with running right now? Um, I just, you know, I've had a little, little, nicks and injuries here. I had, I had a health issue a, a few years ago that kind of, kind of set me back for a bit. And unfortunately with the, this whole COVID thing, I've, 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 uh, partaken in food and drink way too much. So <laughs> my little, my little, you know, injuries and stuff, you know, that's not helping them, but I, I, I hope to get back to it. And, you know, as I said, I'm approaching retirement, maybe at that point, I enjoy hiking, you know, long, long backpacking trips even fast trekking stuff. That's, that's more of the stuff I really enjoy now. That's, that's pretty cool. And I think that's a, that's a pretty good spot to kind of wrap up for today. Um, you know, really appreciate your time. Uh, I do have one last question for you and it's, you know, what I ask everybody and that's just, uh, what music are you listening to to kind of get you up, get you going, get you moving? Um, boy, that's a, you know, I, (laughs) I always grew up, I was always country and Western or, or whatever, but you know, I love the Zach Brown band, you know, they've got some pretty upbeat stuff and, and, uh, just, you know, my wife and I take trips or, you know, different places and we always put together a video and I've always got some of their music, you know, with our, with our trip video. So it's, that's, that's, that's kind of it. That's pretty, I, I, I don't mind them. They're not bad. So that's a good pick. All right. I'm a little older than you too. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, is, is there anything else you'd like to add before, you know, I let you go again. I uh, thank you so much for being on and, and spending this time with us. Um, no, like I said, be patient with us working the whole little loose thing. We don't, we don't need pitchforks and stuff. So I, you know, we're, 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 we're trying to work it in an amicable way and we, we hope things Hope things do work out. I'd once again like to thank my guest for their time and thank you for tuning in. If you have the opportunity, please rate and review wherever you listen to your podcasts or just help spread the word. Music was provided by Philip Friedman. You can follow him on SoundCloud at DJ Teach. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at RunningNM. Feel free to drop me a line or shoot me an email at RunningNewMexico at gmail.com if you have any questions or know of someone who should be interviewed. In the meantime, keep running, New Mexico.